On this week's Bet the Process podcast, I try to do something that I've never done before, not interrupt Rufus. And you guys will have to listen to see how that goes. We talk some golf, a little Rambo, and then some football with Rufus, who's done no prep work. And we finish off with uh, us waxing philosophical on what Nate Silver got wrong. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast, bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage and sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to a very special edition of the Bet the Process podcast where I'm going to respond to some nasty feedback that I received on iTunes where I don't know if you've ever read our reviews Rufus but they're very nice to you and very mean to me and they basically say that you're the star and I should just shut the f up so wait those are the ones I had my mom write (laughs) no so I I think what we're gonna do this episode and we'll see how it goes is I'm going to try to go through the entire episode without actually interrupting you once. And we will see from an experiment standpoint how that goes. It's almost like, and most of you guys will pause for a second now. You can all set your over-under on the amount of time it takes for me to actually interrupt Rufus. Like, how bad is it for me? Like, how, how much can I actually resist the urge to interrupt Rufus? And since it's just the two of us, it seems like that might even be harder. Oh my God, Rufus! He, Rufus just took off his hat. He has like COVID hair. That's I, like- I haven't had a haircut since December. I'm entering. I, I literally met um, an aunt and uncle of my fiance the other day. We were at a place that didn't allow hats for, and, and so she. I, I literally had a little ponytail to keep it out of my. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was. It was rough. So. Um, that was even hard for me not to interrupt him there. And I was going to ask you, have you not had a shampoo since COVID? Cause that's also how the hair looks right now. Well, I just, I just came in from the beach. So it's, it's saltwater hair. Got it. I had, so, I had set my alarm for four o'clock. So I'd make it for the podcast because I thought the podcast, but because the podcast was at four fifteen. So Jeff, I was being respectful of your time. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it very much. And we're going to have to figure out, during football season, how to actually block this out better so that we can jump into it. And which reminds me, that's what we in the business call a segue. Football season is upon us. It looks like I'm going to owe you $1,000. I'm pretty sure that NFL is going to start on time at this point. Um, College has already started, kind of. There was an FCS game last week where, quote, unquote, the wrong team was favored. There was all this COVID talk. Can Can we talk about that? Because I, I kind of didn't really get all of that. Somebody posted that the wrong team was favored. Did the wrong team win too? Like, and why no. is this a big deal? No, the right team or the team that was favored won. Um, there was a whole deal with um, a bunch of COVID outbreaks on one, like just people just didn't know for sure who were playing was playing. So there was a lot of scuttlebutt on Twitter about it. And then uh, the action network, Colin Wilson from the Action Network 
wrote a, a big article or wrote an article saying the wrong team's favored. Our friend Chad Millman, um, you know, said, you know, retweeted out and said, oh, he's already convinced me to bet on this. And so, you know, when, um, and then our, our friend, the beard, our bearded friend, um, actually liked the team that was favored. Um, he, as he does, moved the line. So the line went up. So the team that was favored, which was U University of Central Arkansas. Do you know um, who the probably the most famous uh, alum of University of Central Arkansas is? Um, I don't know. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Jerry Jones? No. He went to some Arkansas school, didn't he? I think he no, just, he just go to Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay. I knew he's from Arkansas. I was like, I, I thought you might have been going for another what you call in the business segue. Um, yeah. Well, I just pulled. So I was, I was going to say it was Scotty Pippen, oh, yeah. um, which it, it is maybe unless it looks like uh, Rachel McAdams also went there. Um, do you know who Rachel McAdams is? I do. She was in, uh, she's been in a lot of movies. She was in Wedding Crashers. I was going to see which, which movie you picked. The Notebook. The um, yeah. She hasn't been in that much recently, I don't think. But I also haven't been watching a lot of movies recently. This is so hard not to interrupt you. Um, anyways, and so I'm doing well so far. So if you had the over one minute, um, I've, I've gone through that. Yeah, Scotty Pippen. So anyway, so... Um, University of Central Arkansas, and then uh, and then University of Central Arkansas ended up winning um, the game. But it was actually like a pretty exciting end of the game for a FCS game, and and it ended up being on pretty late for whatever reason. So it was pretty exciting to watch the end of it. Um, I guess it, it was it was you know it was fantastic. It felt good to have football back. Gave me hope for the upcoming football season. So you had mentioned that you have not done anything yet, have you? Not for college football. I, I still didn't believe college football was going to happen. And so I didn't want to put in a lot of work and then just for no reason. What work will you put in between now and next week or will you put in any? Um, I'm just going to try to get the stuff to like basically run the same methodologies I did last year. Hopefully I have to update some recruiting stuff. I have to, you know, some roster stuff, returning production, et cetera, et cetera. And make sure like advance the calendar forward a year, make sure I have prop, like coefficients and everything merges correctly. It's, it's honestly, it's like the worst thing to do. It's no fun. Um, it would be interesting to get Preston on next week because of the, the difference in, in the two of you guys' processes around incorporating news. Um, because I'm assuming that, especially in the first couple of weeks, and if the UCA Austin P game was any um, harbinger or indicator for what's to come, there definitely is going to be a lot of like, someone has COVID, isn't playing, blah, 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 like, uh, line moves is it factored in the line all that kind of stuff i assume that you're most likely not going to take it into account at all um i mean last year i did stuff with roster based so i actually did like subtract people out at least for the teams prior um and it, it's hard to come up with an individual like a, a value for an individual player in college football at least with the data i have uh so i mean i basically am doing it based on like how many starts they have um, what and what their like recruiting ranking was and you know basically finding proxies for it so I, I do have a way of doing that um, so I, I probably will but it's probably not as good as Preston's 
I feel like that's going to require a lot of work to monitor that stuff. And, and work is not something that you, um, you're, 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 you're anti-work. You're not pro work. Well, the, the problem, Jeff, is that I'm just like overcommitted. So it's it, right now, I only betting golf feels overwhelming. It feels like I have way too much on my plate just because of other stuff besides betting uh, that's on my plate. So uh, as well as how time consuming the golf stuff has gotten, um, how, cause we're, you know, go big or go home. That's basically been my motto since golf returned. So, uh, yeah, maybe I should just rely on Preston for all of it. Can you do me a favor for the rest of this episode when you're done talking, can you just say, and I'm done, Jeff, you can talk. Cause it's well, so I, hard I, for me to know when you're done. I left a little pause for you there. I basically figure I pause and then I pause again, which is basically just the same as one long pause. <laughs> okay. Um, golf I, wait, then. Speaking of golf and speaking of information, did you hear about the whole Gary Woodland thing last week in that line move? Which no, that was sort of uh, well, sort of the scuttlebutt, as you said, was that uh, was that Gary Woodland was playing with a hip injury and was going to give it a go, but probably withdraw. Uh, and so I had heard this, and then a day later, I hear from other sources. Um, that Gary Woodland's going to tee off on the first hole and then withdraw. And, and so he was matched up against Cameron Champ. Initially, Woodland, I think, was a minus 120 favorite, or, and Champ was, or maybe minus 130, Champ was even money, something like that. And I think Bet Online had Champ at like maybe oh, plus 110. Uh, and then uh, the line ended up closing Champ minus like 250. Okay. And I think like, Bet Chris took it off the board before it got that high. Uh, and actually, the funny thing is that Champ would be the guy much more likely to tee off uh, on the first hole and then withdraw as a form of social protest, which kind of somehow, you know, you know that game Telephone, Jeff, when you're a kid? Like, it feels like the information came out and, like, it went in this big circle and I heard it again and it was completely different. Um, but Gary Woodland ended up playing playing fine. I think he was maybe like 30th place, 20 something at place. And yeah, it was, if you had no idea what was going on and had faded that news, you made, you, you, you had a really great bet. It turns out. So he did beat Cameron champ. Yeah. Cameron champ shot like 20 over par or maybe not that high that, you know, he wasn't in leashman territory, but he was, he, he lost by, by, it wasn't close. That course looked really effing hard. Yeah. I mean, the trees on that par five, like, I don't know. So that, uh, how did you guys do last weekend? Oh, I got slaughtered overall on, on matchup stuff. Um, just, yeah, wasn't good in that regard, but I hit, uh, hit ROM outright, which, I mean, you can reliably guess that I'm betting ROM outrights most weeks. And so I hit that. Uh, so that was good. Yeah. So if ROM wins, wins you do okay. Well, I, I still lost a lot this past week because the matchups just like far outweigh the outright stuff but uh that's how it goes oh that was almost an interrupt i don't think that counts as an interrupt no, i will good. acknowledge the first time that i that i tip that i really interrupt you okay so back to this this golf thing going into this weekend then just so before we leave we'll actually talk about something that you can provide people value in um this is the weekend where they start with is this the final weekend of the FedEx cup where they start with like a lead kind of thing? It is. It is. And it kind of, it, it uh, yeah. Ten, I guess DJ gets 10 strokes. 
Rom gets eight strokes, it goes down, and some people have zero strokes. So I think Leishman, like who shot 30 over par last week, is starting 10 strokes back. And I believe he, I, I have his true odds something like 50,000 to one or something like insanely high as a result of how poorly he's been playing and starting so far back. But honestly, it's, it's not a great week for betting value generally. You have all the top guys have played the last few weeks. They've been playing the same courses. There isn't sort of an angle there. Um, and so, and, and they've all generally been playing well because that's how they qualified. And so, um, and then plus the fact that you have these sort of um, these handicaps that people are starting with, like it, it means that there's not going to be a ton of value on the outrights because the guys in the lead generally aren't um, or close to the lead to begin. Um, are significant favorites and a lot of the juice is taken out on the significant underdogs. So, you know, I mean, you have the top two players in the world that are, um, that are starting ahead. It's not really that fair. Uh, can you, I'm trying to find the actual, do you have the numbers in front of you? It'd be great to sort of talk specifically about that. I yeah, assume I that, that none have, of the out, what's that? Well, well so, so there's outright, sorry, I, I, I interrupted you there, Jeff. Which is no, a, also, also a common you, occurrence. I do yeah. it probably a lot more than you do. I don't know about that. But it, it, okay, so back to this. The, the I would love to sort of understand if there's any value. Oh, and there's you can bet separately on the 72. Yes, you can. Yeah, Got it. You have the 72 holes versus the um, tournament, right? Tournament outright, 72 hole outrights. Is there anyone who has value in either? <laughs> Um, I think Rom has value. Surprise, surprise. Surprise. I, I, I kind of, I teased that. Do you think he has value in both of those? So I'm, um, I think he has value at, if you can get like, like, it looks like right now you can get plus 280 at FanDuel. DraftKings has uh, plus 300 for, for, the, for John Rom with the handicap. The, those both have value. For the no handicap, um, where, what, are, I, I mean, what price do you see on him with no handicap? I mean, it's not good. It's like five to, plus 527. I probably wouldn't take plus 527. I make it just a little over five to one. But Really? Why is it so low? Why do I have him so? Well, because he's starting with a, like he's starting in second place with, it's only a 30-person field, and he's starting like, eight strokes ahead of like 10 of the, 10 right, but the 15 people. I mean, but it's think about after round one, Let, let's say this was the scores after round one. Would, would you be so, like, Oh, 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 sorry. Why is it? So, oh, never mind. Sorry. You, we're talking about yeah, the, so I was why trying is it so, so hard not to interrupt you. Yep, and you should, I, you should have interrupted there. Yes. You should have interrupted there, but why is it so low? Because it's a 30 person field and because Ram is so good right now. He's, yeah. He's That's, the best player in the field. Um, yeah, he's the best player in the world. You may talk now. I uh, I in-gamed or in-matched him going into the, the – he was even against DJ going into that um, playoff. <laughs> and, you know, obviously after the first first stroke I, or first um, stroke, I didn't, I didn't feel very good about it. And then after the second, I felt – okay but then after the third obviously it felt great it felt so i great. still i i didn't get to see it i was watching oh my god we had a dinner reservation for like seven fifteen, and so it was like i saw the dj putt to force the playoff 
and then we had to go to dinner. And so, I, you know, I went to the bathroom, checked my phone and saw like messages like Rombo. And so, uh, and then I, I you know what I still That's... haven't seen and I can't find a highlight of is DJ's putt after, after Rom hit the 66 footer. I kind of want to know, cause it said it was like a few inches away. Was it, did you see that? Was it close? Uh, it wasn't, it never really seemed like it was going in, but you know, I, I don't think it was like egregious, but I, it never really looked like it was going in. I, but I was, was going to say that's the classic sports better moment when you have to go to the, the bathroom to check your phone <laughs> to like check the score. So you're not rude at dinner. It's like a classic, classic, classic moment. <laughs> you know, I, I consider just not even looking. Um, I, honestly, I don't think I had that much on it, so I don't, um, it wasn't going to ruin my evening anyway, but how much, so speaking of those, those putts, DJ made a 44 footer and Rom made a 66 footer. We love like, it's, it's a great moment, right? It's, it's this exciting, like everybody's like, it's an amazing putt, but he hits that putt, like DJ hits that putt, you know, 20 times he makes it well less than one time you know and rom i mean those are like two percent and one percent putts it's, um, uh, you just froze for a second so that doesn't count as an interrupt if that ended up being an interrupt you froze uh, i'll stop my video okay but it's interesting because they, they you have the best two players in the world that win on fluke putts essentially like they hit good putts but both you know and, and obviously dj was he was trying to make it or bust because he knew he had to make it. Rom's just trying to get up there and two putt from 66 feet. You know, it's, it's funny because you have the two guys that like, you expect them to just win on like stuffing a shot to three feet or something. And they hit it with the long putts. So. Well, I mean, I, I don't really, your, your point is that although that looked amazing, he still makes that a fair amount. Who makes it a fair amount? Rom. He makes that 66 footer a fair amount. You said like 50% of the time. I'm just kidding. I was acting like I wasn't paying attention. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. On to football. Is is there anything else in the golf that we could give people of any value? So you're saying that if they can get Rom as like the best 72 hole round at better than five to one, there's some value there. I I think there's better value overall. Just if you can get like plus 280, or better for Rom outright overall. I think there's more value there. What about Morikawa? I like to bet on Morikawa every chance I get because he's Asian. He's he's Asian American. He's not Asian. According he's, according to the group bets, he's oh. he's actually he's rest of world this week. Huh. That yeah. seems. That or no seems no 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 sorry he's not rest of world he's USA he's top American. Hmm. Interesting. How do you so, uh, feel about how do you how feel how do you feel about Asians being considered rest of world in the golf markets? You have top USA, top Europe, and then top rest of world. Well, there's not a lot of Asians. I would assume it's because there's not a lot of Asians that are actually competing. So that that would make sense. No. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, you, you do have top Asian markets too sometimes, but it's just not the primary ones. No, no, no. My point is that there's not a lot of Asians competing this week. Oh, this so, week. They've got, if you said there's only, there's a field of only 30 people, so there can't be that many Asians. Um, top rest of world, top American. What is there? Yeah, there's, uh, 
who you got? You got Matsuyama, Sung JM. Um, yeah, you don't have a ton. I think that might be it. How about first round leader Rufus in the golf? That must be kind of interesting, right? Yeah, it is. Um, I actually got confused because my DraftKings scraper, like, is scraping like I don't have it the way I'm pulling it. I don't have a distinction between the uh, with with handicap and without handicap, and so it's like I'm just trying to go through this mess of stuff so that I can yeah so. Yeah, I think there there may be value. I'm not sure yet. Rombo at plus two fifty. Mm. I Seems don't know. Me. Believe it or not, I actually don't have a number on that yet with 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 the no with the handicap because I just basically added the strokes at the end to my sim, and so I I just realized this. I didn't add it before the first round, so. Okay, so let's move on to football. And then I want to ask you about something non-sports related and would love to get your take on it. Um, NFL is starting um, as early as next week. Maybe, hopefully not next week, but it looks like it will. And I'm going to have to uh, pay Rufus $1,000, which sucks. Anything that you are looking at at week one yet, um, does the fact that the Redskins had to change their name, how does that figure into your handicapping? Um, I think you know the answer to that one. Like that, that, you know, I've reduced their power ranking by approximately 75%. Why are they off the board? Are they off the board? Week one, they're off the board. Probably because they have they named a starting quarterback. Probably not. That might be the, that might be the issue. Does it matter that much? I wouldn't think so. I don't think that there's, I mean, not, not looking, I, I don't think there's a massive difference. Hmm. But it's, but because also, I mean, it's Dwayne Haskins' first year um, in the current system, so. Right, because they have a new system. And, right, you have, um, you have North Turner's son as the offensive coordinator. North Turner Jr.? No. Michael Turner? Yes. Tina Turner? No. How many football players can you name with the last name Turner? Trey Turner? Michael Turner? We are, well, do coaches count? We, you um, already said a bunch and then asked me. So can you already name? I only said Michael Turner. Yeah. And I said Trey Turner. Can you name another one? Keena Turner. Who's that? He played for the 49ers, linebacker, back in the day. Right, right. I mean, I thought we were talking about current football players. No. I mean, Michael Turner is not a current football player. That's true. The burner, Turner. Um, I'm the only one to name a current football player, current NFL player. This is sad that we can't name any other Turners. Hey, I bet, bet, you know, you would have set the over-under at 0.5 on me and taken the under. I would have juiced the under though. Exactly. Um, okay. Anything else in week one that we can talk about that's interesting moderately to you? I'm going to be honest. I haven't actually really given it much thought yet. I'm, I'm, it doesn't feel like the end of the summer. It really doesn't. It it's, doesn't feel like football should be starting yet. I, I don't know why, but somehow in my brain, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm, I have all these other fires I'm trying to put out and you know, I'm, I'm behind. 
Yeah, I mean, football season has clearly snuck up on all of us. Like, they're the fan, I have like some fantasy drafts coming up, and I have I have like no idea what's going on. And like, um, even just like you've noticed it, I think if you're in fantasy drafts, like whatever commissioners have been slow to get things going. I, I haven't even gotten any emails about survivor pools. So the whole, the whole sports world has changed. Like, have you watched, have, have there been any appreciable differences to you as you've watched sports with no, with no fans, you don't really watch much NBA and you haven't really been following. Um, I know you really haven't been following that much of, uh, of baseball. Um, golf obviously doesn't. I, I happened to watch a U.S. Open game a match last night with on the women's side, and you know there there was obviously no um, no fans there either. Like, what do what do you think about the no fans thing? Is it is it is it meaningful to you? I know we've talked about the home field thing and how we may or may not adjust for it. Um, do you care? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more fun to watch with fans because there's the atmosphere and all that. I think, but. You know, I've, I, I would be interested to see what the U.S. Open looked like. I haven't watched. And, you know, believe it or not, I actually used to be a big tennis fan. I've watched How come you've the, never bet tennis? You know, I looked at it maybe back in like 2010 or 2011. I just don't think I had good enough data. It was publicly, avail- it was publicly available data that I, that I had. And I feel like you need a – I thought you needed a point-by-point. Point. I think it's difficult because you have such different – um, I guess, quality of competition faced, right? I mean, the difference between the top few players in the world, um, I mean, there's such a dramatic fall off so quickly. And I think the other issue with that I was uh, having issues with that, you know, I feel like if I did it now, I'd probably do a bit of a better job, but, but was essentially assess, like contextualizing performance in terms of assessing um, effort, right? I, you know, in, think back to like Pete Sampras in the day, if he got up, especially against an inferior opponent, if he got up a break, he just would kind of go for quick points on return and, and just focus his energy onto his service games. Cause he, you know, so I think uh, a lot of the top players in the early round matches are trying to, you know, they're not necessarily, um, their, their goal is not to win by the most amount of points. I mean, not by win by the most amount of points, Jeff, but you know what I mean? I know you're struggling to not interrupt here. I'm going to make you struggle, but their concern is they want to win the match. It can be ugly. It can not, they can make a lot of unforced errors, but they want to exert as minimal effort as possible to win the match. If, because they're caring about going deep into the tournament. So if you are like, I basically am in terms of how I handicap where I'm assuming the people are generally robots and giving the same effort each time. Um, you know, you're going to come into some, you're going to have some issues and you're going to underrate some of the top guys there. So, so it's, was, a, it, yeah. it's a very interesting point, right? I know I, it, it, you know, I'm glad I let you get that out because basically you're talking about contextualizing performance. Contextualizing performance is like one of the most interesting analytics. Um, you know, I, I think things that's been happening over the last few years, like you see it, Contextualizing, when you were talking about getting into NBA betting, that was one of the biggest things that you were thinking about, right? It was contextualizing performance. Right. Basically looking and seeing the, how this team plays, like when they're up 10, their baseline is not the same. You know, if you're up 10 with five minutes to go in a game, you're going to use the entire shot clock and your, your, your efficiency is not going to be as high as it would be if you were down, you know, or, or in another situation because your goal is, is to, you know, try to score, but also to use the clock 
it's just like a football team late in a game, right? You're not judging, you're not judging um, a team based on their four minute offense and, and assuming they're going to be, you know, that's how they would perform the rest of the game. Well, it's at some level, right? That's what, what football outsiders does with DVOA is contextualizing performance. It's just in a, it's at a different level. They don't contextualize it based on win probability or right. they contextualize it based on what they need at that moment where a four yard run is not the same, you know, four yard run on, on third and one is not the same as a four yard run on third and 15. Right. right. Which is a great thing to do. I mean, they're, they're figuring out what the baseline is for each play and how it, how a team does relative to that baseline. I think there's two things you, you do that, but then also figuring out predictive value um, because not every play has the same as we like, just like tennis, um, not, you know, a team isn't putting their, a team isn't, I mean, some, some plays uh, a team is drawing up or using their best play for um, and other plays they're, they really don't care that much. Like think Alabama when they're up 50 points against somebody in the second half, they're running the ball up the middle most plays. Right. So, right. so it's hard though, right? Because anytime you time try to contextualize it more, you basically are, you know, it's like the Russian doll thing and you're making the sample size smaller and smaller. And, you know, whenever you add more of this like contextualization, is that even a word? Yeah. And you get, you get a situation that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's less and less meaningful. Okay. Let's switch gears to the NFL futures. Have you looked at those at all or am I on a fool's errand right now? Um, I looked back in May. So I think I might've talked about this a little bit, but I, I looked back in May when I was in New Jersey and found a few like, you know, things like the chiefs to win zero oh, yeah. to four games at, at um, 5,000 to one. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was like $125 bet or $50 bet to win $125,000. It was something insane. Maybe it was more than 5,001, I think. I don't know. I mean, I, I have to that. think there's some value on the Patriots because they they're they've gotten hammered and I know the reason they've gotten hammered is essentially because they have a bunch of guys sitting out and because they lost Tom Brady. But arguably Cam Newton should be better than Brady was last year. And if you believe in the, in Belichick over, you know, the Belichick system at large, um, you think that there'd be more, you know, consistency or more tied to priors than, you know, almost in, than, than many other organizations. So the idea that you could get them at plus 145 right now to win the AFC East seems like there'd be some value there. Yeah, you know, I think it's funny. I think we're going to learn more about the Patriots in week one than probably most any team. Would you agree? I mean, I think that if the Patriots look really – or I think the perception will change on the Patriots more after week one um, than it would for most teams. So if the Patriots come out of the gate and look like the Patriots that we're used to seeing, although actually the Patriots normally come out of the gate pretty slow. We've talked about this in the past, how you think you Belichick – experiments or something i think you've said this right yeah the first in the first four games um you know i've talked to teddy bruski about this he says that they're they're just they're just running experiments and so they're seeing what works and so if they lose in the first four games it's much less meaningful than if they say lose to miami at the end of the season in a game that they need to win for a first round bye. that was pretty meaningful right well so let's say the patriots come out and win 
like 27 to 10 over the Dolphins. Right. Where do you think that price, how do you think that price moves, the division price? I think it moves pretty significantly. I mean, I, I agree do with you. Think you minus money? You think they're a favorite to win the division after that? And if they do that and Cam Newton is the starter and looks, looks good, looks sharp. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably a lot of, as Trump would say, pent-up pressure waiting for, you know, waiting to bet on the Patriots if there is, if there is this. Um, but it just, it's just interesting then why they would make the, 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 the bookmakers or whatever, the market must fundamentally believe that the Patriots are not going to win the East for them to make them plus money at this point right now, right? Like the, the, the personnel questions and, and everything else, like this is a, it's, it's, you know, it, it almost seems like, cause I think I had bet them when they're, when they first showed at plus money and cam was still there, you know, since then they've had, you know, Hightower opt out Marcus cannon opting out is big. Yeah. Um, but they're for sure still going to have a better offensive line than they did last year because Andrews is back. And, and although they less lost Garnekia, who's like their OG offensive line coach. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's – yes, I think we will overreact and the market will overreact to week one for sure with the Patriots. Right. I mean, and their talent is substantially worse than it was last year, even not including quarterback. Right. Well, and I'm going to say that I would, I, I'm going to say that like, well, I mean, Edelman's a year older. I mean, you have, you have a lot of veterans. I mean, you have Nikhil Harry at wide receiver. Maybe he has, maybe he has a breakout year, but, um, Sanu well, was old. I mean, maybe Sanu having an off, you know, I would argue that maybe Sanu having an off season to get acclimated to the system would help. But at the same time, um, you haven't really had a, a real off season. So, um, and you, yeah. I would argue that their offensive talent is going to be better than it was last year. I really don't think Brady is was is particularly good anymore, and we will see what happens in Tampa, where he's going to have some incredible receivers and weapons to throw at, and and you know he will be given the opportunity to throw a lot. It will be very interesting to see if I am if if he just does really like still you know if, if it was the fact that his weapons were so poor and in New England and and whatnot and his line was bad and all that kind of stuff, but. I think that Cam is a big upgrade from Brady in, in this at this point in their careers. And then it then it becomes a question of like, oh, the skill positions. Nikhil Harry will be a year. I mean, Edelman will probably be the same. They drafted a couple tight ends that, that might be reasonable. Um, and like Sanu is an interesting one because there's a world, you know, Sanu supposedly was hurt and in a new system, and he could be a very serviceable wide receiver. So I, I'm I'm in position to say their 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 offense will be better. Their defense will definitely be worse because they lost all of those important linebackers. Um, but they have the heart of the secondary back, which was really which is really the strength of that that defense. And it just becomes interesting. Will Belichick do some schemes that take advantage of the fact that he's got like a lockdown secondary? It's true, but you know, um, I think we've talked about this before defense is not as predictive from year to year as offensive performances. And the Patriots were so good last year on defense. It's going to be hard to replicate that. I feel like you have to, even though, even if, I mean, they lost some players, but even if they didn't, you have to expect a little regression there when you have such an outlier performance. Okay. I mean, that's just, that's just the way the math works. 
Um, well, and so I think the off, I think it's going to come down. Right. I mean, I think the offense is going to have to improve and it, what I'm interested in, like, I, I, I feel like this, this year is going to be so interesting because of all these quarterbacks changing teams. And like, what happens if I, I think cam's performance will could say, I mean, could have an impact on how we feel about Tom Brady and to, how we feel about Bill Belichick as well as Brady's performance. But also I think, let's say, let's say cam ends up being a star like i mean does it affect how we feel about ron rivera and his coaching in carolina maybe and then obviously we have philip rivers going to indianapolis i think it's just going to be it's going to be fascinating with all these quarterbacks on the move do you think phil rivers performance will um like change the way we think about peyton manning no wait why i'm just kidding okay (laughs) <laughs> these jokes land better when i have a chance to interrupt you but also in the review on itunes they said my dry humor is not funny so i i find it funny jeff and you know i didn't wait uh, you know i'm gonna call bs for a second because you were mentioning more than seven reviews and we only have seven listeners so we need some safeguard against people putting in multiple reviews i think someone's stuffing the ballot box no mail-in voting I, I think that um, there is a vocal minority, or maybe majority. There's a vo- there's a vocal group out there that doesn't appreciate my style and attacking you, but little do they know that it's all love, and I try to bring out the best in you. Um, back to NFL, is there anything else that's sort of interesting? To talk? I mean, we talked a lot about the Patriots. Obviously, I'm a Patriots fan, and they're an interesting. They're there are they are an interesting study going into this year. Um, what your power I, I don't, you probably don't even have power rankings yet i'm gonna be guess. honest again and it doesn't make me look good but i i i, I tried to rerun some code like because i had to input new starting quarterbacks i'd run the power ratings in may um i tried to do it again and i got some really weird looking things so i think something did merge right so i'm gonna you know i'm, I'm gonna do it again make sure that the code is mer- everything's merging properly and then next week i will we will have a real football preview. How's that sound? So off the top of your head, would you say Viking? Sorry, would you say Chiefs or Ravens right now? Ooh, hold on. I need, well, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, like, are we talking about my recall of what my ratings were or which is notoriously bad or my just intuition as a, like my, my system one to borrow Daniel Kahneman's um, We're talking about system one, system one thinking here. System one, I would say chiefs. But that's also like recency bias, right? Or availability heuristic. Well, my, my, I mean, passing is more, yeah. Like passing is that, that's the fact that I feel like it's a lot easier. Mahomes has, has much more of a track record than Lamar Jackson does. And it's, you know, passing is more repeatable than running. But we would assume that they're number one and two from a system one process, right? Yeah. And then number three would probably be who? Who do you think? I mean, the, the Niners, right? The Niners? Would it? I don't know. It's probably between two teams. And okay. I, maybe it's for between... you, I probably know how that comes out. What about the Cowboys? I, they're getting all the hype right now. Uh, Cowboys. So I think you're forgetting about the team that you always love, the Saints. Oh yeah, sorry. No, it's yeah. it's got to be the Saints then. <laughs> yeah. The and then the next team, 
from a market standpoint, the next team, it's close between the Seahawks and the Bucks. The Bucks are Seahawks getting so much effing love that it's like it's it's ridiculous. They certainly are. So back actually I had New Orleans as number two back when I did this back in like updated in May. Um, and then San Francisco number four, Baltimore's number three, Kansas City one, Dallas five. So I was actually high on Tennessee, which seems kind of weird, but on their offense, I had Tennessee offenses six somehow. Tennessee's thirty to one. They're they're pretty low down there. Oh, I thought we were talking about offenses. Oh no, no, I'm just talking about like generally the odds to win the Super Bowl on Chris. So I thought you were talking about which team had the best offense between Kansas City and Baltimore. No, I was talking about like odds to win power oh, rankings. Did I miss here? You said, wait, didn't you say offense at some point? I'm glad we just had like a 40 minute conversation on this that where we weren't talking. But this is what happens when I, you guys don't let me interrupt Rufus. Now we know. Now we know what this product looks like. Um, okay. We've talked about nothing for long enough. Let me I think see we'll have a substantive. I, I think we just teased a substantive football preview next week. I will, I will, I'm going to actually be doing football stuff in the next week. I'm going to have numbers um, because there's going to be football to bet. And, and maybe like, I know there's technically college football to bet this weekend, as you told me, Jeff, but I mean, I'm seeing like teams like Eastern Kentucky and Houston Baptist and not any power five teams. So, so I think what we should do, going forward is record on Wednesday mornings, try to record on Wednesday mornings with the idea of posting Wednesday afternoon, you'll have all your bets down already. So you'll feel pretty comfortable talking about things, but it'll give people enough time to, to react to our information. If there is any reasonable information to to react to. That sounds good. Um, Okay. Any, any NBA you want to cover? I know um, Jeff, I actually watched a little NBA at one point. I don't remember who was playing. I think it was Houston. Houston was playing. No, I mean, it's, against it's Oklahoma City. But do you remember that theory that we talked about with Preston um, about, well, you know, how, how uh, teams have shot a lot better than expectation or better than they have in previous seasons? I thought of a reason. I don't know how scientific this is, but just looking at the arena, it looks really small, right? It looks like there isn't – it's more enclosed. I mean, you hear about in college um, – for like the final four and stuff, teams playing in domes in that in having that huge massive amount of space between the hoop and the fans and everything, how open it is and the perspective, I would feel like in a in a sort of more enclosed space, um, maybe shooters it, it's an easier visual for shooters. Has anybody thought about that? This is just, um, I mean, I you know the the NCAA analogy of the big domes and the unders and like, that's reasonable. There, there's a bunch of things that people have proposed. Um, and I, I just think it's probably hard to prove any of them out. As far as the NBA goes, there's, there's a few of us that have Celtics futures. So we're all relatively happy about what's happening in that series so far um, that it will be very interesting if Houston is able to win tonight um, in game seven, whether they're able to give the Lakers um, a real, a real run for their money because of the fact that um, there's just some, some interesting matchups that they have and some interesting styles. The, the, um, 
one of the, the Mori ball things that is interesting to watch is whether the strategy of his team should change dramatically when they get a 20 point lead or when they get a lead where they want to have less variance, um, i.e. shoot fewer three pointers than continue to doing what they do because they don't seem to change their strategy based on the, on the game. They just stay doing what they're doing. Um, and so that, that's a, that seems like a, an issue. Which is, an, which is interesting. You would think that they w- would be more – you'd think that they would react more to game situation, right? I, just I given how they look at – how in-depth their analytics are. I think it's harder than you think to get analytics to transfer to, like, real in-game strategy in that kind of a way um, when players are ultimately decide. Like, D'Antoni can try to get them into different things in different ways and – Maybe if we do get Daryl on, I haven't I haven't wanted to ask to have Daryl on as this series has gone on, but maybe if they win tonight, we can get him on next week um, because he didn't give me a hard no on coming on. He, he was very nice about it and tried to make it sound like he would be interesting if it did in coming on if the schedule works. Um, so maybe we'll give that another shot. And maybe if he listens to this podcast and knows that I won't interrupt him, he might be more interested there. You don't interrupt the guests, just me. I, they said I interrupted Preston a lot, but I don't think people realize how close of friends we are with Preston. That's why we interrupt him because otherwise he wouldn't feel like he was, he was part of the crew. Um, okay. Yeah, do, Jeff, do you really quick, do you have an update on how NBA home teams have been doing in the postseason? Have, has that trend continued? The home teams overperforming. I don't. And I don't think, I don't think it has. I don't think it's continued. And it's the lines. The lines have not reflected um, any sort of like home at home thing, right? Like they they've basically just stayed consistent with what they were from the beginning, and have adjusted based on you know situation in the the series and and recent performance and that kind of thing. The must win. Have you had that the first half? The what what is the zigzag? Uh, So that that stuff. That zigzag thing went three. That that we talked about going anti that went three zero and one. it should have gone four or no, obviously again, a small sample set, but like the, the thing that we talked about, cause I, I, we talked about it with Seth and then I, I texted Preston about it and he was like, huh? And he was, he was interested. And I, I convinced him enough that he looked at those first halves and he looked and said, these first halves are kind of cheap um, r- regardless. And so I don't think he was looking at them necessarily in relation to the full game line, but just on an absolute value, they were cheap. If that makes sense. They were just too cheap. Yeah. Um, okay, last thing I want to ask you about, and I know people hate politics, but handicap the election right now. Who this would is you tough. take? This is tough. I'm actually, you know, I got a message yesterday from um, from our friend from the Tony. Like, I met him um, Mark the one time I was in the Tony Kornheiser on the Tony Kornheiser show. No, Chris Eliza. Okay. About doing a Q and A um, on the betting market movement and i'm like well i'm not a betting expert like you are but i think he wanted like a better perspective on it but i think it's interesting because right there is such a difference right now between the betting markets and the polls right and and nate silver actually did you see his tweet about how the betting markets we shouldn't pay attention to them now or something because they're just so wrong it was kind of surprising to me it sounds like something nate would say well, yeah, but I mean, I feel like he's been a proponent of markets generally being better than polls, right? 
I mean, how can you say, how can you say that, how can he say that the markets are wrong and then not put his money where, where his mouth is? Well, I think he is. I think his, his numbers are pro Biden. What would, what would Seth Byrne say at a time like this? I mean, right. I kind of thought about that. I mean, Seth Byrne would have like, I think somebody might have, I think somebody added Seth Byrne on that too. Yeah. And, and he said like, had some one word response, but it's basically you know, even right now, right? Yeah. It's it's, and, it's like if you go into like the futures, the futures market, Trump is minus one thirteen. Biden Biden is minus one eleven. Biden had gone up to like minus one eighty or something like that, minus one seventy. So this is a big bump back. You know, um, what I think Nate, I did see one thing he said where this this bump is not necessarily because of what's happening in Kenosha or, or the law and order stuff. It's happening because of the convention. typical bump you get from the, from the convention. Um, what's interesting is the, at least Chris does not have a head to head between Biden um, and Trump anymore. They actually only have like these futures markets, which, which have um, a lot of other people in it, which makes, makes us, I think all wonder is, is there a chance that, that Biden doesn't end up being on the ticket? I mean, there's a chance that Trump doesn't end up being on the ticket too. I mean, anything can happen. Like, I hate to say it, but sometimes people die. Should we, should we just go all in on Michelle Obama at 85 to 1? 85 to 1? Should, like, I would go all in on her at like 8,500 to 1 maybe, but not it. Sorry, 850 to 1. Nah. $23 to win 20,000? I'll let you bet it. Of any of these, any of these uh, tail risk people, who would you take? Hillary Clinton at 300 to 1. No. Kamala Harris at 95 to 1. Kanye West at 3,000 to 1. Wait, so, so Kamala Harris seems to me like more likely to have value there. Like if, if Biden somehow drops out, wouldn't, it, wouldn't like Kamala be the next one up, most likely? Or Maybe Nikki what, Haley at 12,000 12, 12, to 1. Yeah, that 1,200 yeah. to 1. 1,200 to 1. That's no Andrew no Cuomo doubt. at 1,350 to 1. In what, in what world do these people ever, or yeah, are they on the ticket? Mike Pence at 300 to 1. I mean, Pence is, yeah. You're, you're basically betting on Trump dying before November. And then Mike Pence. Die. I mean, he could, he could, neither him nor Biden needs to die. There needs to be just some sort of, this is like sordid and sick that we're talking about this, but it, it, there would only need to be some sort of a, a thing that incapacitated them such that they, they couldn't, you know, if you believe the book that just came out, Trump was like, had like mini strokes or whatever, right? Like a year ago. Yeah, but his doctor denied it. But he um, also had a doctor say he, he had a real chance of living to 200 years old. So I'm not sure. Who knows? Okay, okay so back, wait, back, back, back to actually the p difference between the polling and the betting markets and, and the sort of convention bump. Um, I mean, what's interesting to me is that I'll like is assessing the risk. And I think maybe the market's pricing this in um, that there will be like voter suppression or um, disenfranchisement and, and, you know, with the mail in voting, um, you know, in the USPS not being as fast. Um, that votes are lost or that fewer people vote. 
and ass assessing like the whole likely voter model. It feels like such a different um, year than any other, or different election than any other given the pandemic. I think that's gotta be um, a lot harder to price, like who votes and who doesn't. What the, what the composition of the sort of voting uh, electorate looks like, right? I, I mean, I think that the world is, this election is crazy, right? If you think about everything that goes into this election, I think that I felt very convinced, you know, probably up until a month ago, I was very convinced that there was no chance that Trump was going to win. And now I'm, I feel like it's close to 50, 50. And part of that is in talking to people that um, are somewhat on the fence type people and they're fundamentally afraid of what's happening and what's being reported in places like Portland and Seattle and Kenosha. And they do feel like Trump makes them safer. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that's how they feel. And that safety, that personal safety is, is a, is a big motivator for people. And if they feel like that's the case and, and I think in the, you know, in the Republican convention, they, they hammered that home and that's probably the thing they're going to hammer home. And our, our country is likely to become more restless between now and November than fewer restless, which means that there will be more danger and more fear of danger than fewer fear of danger. So, well, you know, my business partner, actually, um, he's gotten every election right with his tried and true model of driving around his suburban neighborhood and seeing, um, seeing how many, seeing the composition of yard signs. But, what is he uh, saying now? Well, he's stuck quarantined in Cayman Islands, so I don't think he's <laughs> saying much. So unfortunately, it doesn't work for this election. But back in 2016, he was like, yeah, I saw, like, he saw a bunch of Obama signs in his neighborhood in 2012 relative to, to Romney. And, and then 2016, it was like, no Hillary signs, a lot more Trump signs. And so, um, I mean, I do think that that sort of aligns with this narrative that as the suburbs go, the election will go. Probably true. Yeah. Um, and the, the suburb thing is the ultimate in, in, in the Republicans making the Democrats or the suburban people feel unsafe in a Biden world. I will say um, the Republicans seem to be, be better on the messaging. Um, and obviously their message is more fear, but they, I think they came out of the Republican, uh, they came out of their convention looking a lot stronger than the Democrats did. Um, they, they drove a point home. It, you know, Trump obviously gets off message all the time, but I think that they, um, I think they were more disciplined in their convention and actually had a message much more than the Democrats did. Yeah. And well, you're, you're a big Trump supporter, so that would make sense that you would. Huge. Okay. Uh, thanks guys for joining us next week. We'll be back with some useful information, hopefully, and we'll, we'll have a guest on maybe to help us talk through the NFL. We got a lot of good NFL people to maybe go through that we should start maybe having on each week. I like, I like when we have guests on, I think that, 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 format works better for us. And then I, I'm not such a big part of it, which nobody wants. So. Well, actually when we have guests on, I'm, I'm the, I'm the, I have fewer parts of it. Lesser. <laughs> Lesser. Especially when they're NBA guests. Irregardless. Thank you. Talk to you guys next week. Bye. The breakdown of data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are about to end just running off a of leaded.